Jesse's been cooking some amazing veggie lasagna. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it sounds amazing. Yeah, I love cooking. My my mom taught me when I was very young. Um, and also, you know, I love my mom to death, but she wasn't the greatest cook. So when I learned oh, how really? to cook, yeah. So when I learned how to cook, I sort of took over and my Friday nights were like pizza night. And I started when I was about eight or nine years old to cook for my family. And I, I kind of fell in love with it. There's something very soothing and sort of Zen-like to getting in the kitchen and mm. preparing food for people you love and then watching them and enjoy it. It's yeah, kind of yeah. similar to being a musician. Like, you know, you prepare the song, you play the song live, the performance. You kind of linked it I can't, I can't relate to, relate to any of those things, playing good music <laughs> or cooking good food. But um, Andy, you're a good cook. Yeah, I love cooking. I'm pretty similar to you, to be honest there, Jesse. Um, another thing we've got in common, because we found out on your podcast that like, we've got loads in common, weirdly yeah. enough, music taste and stuff. All right, Andy, you won't um... have sex with you. Chill out. <laughs> Damn. Well, um... I wore this for you. I wore this T-shirt for you, bro. <laughs> Tribe Called Quest. I love it. I love it. Nice. Yeah, um, yeah no, so the same, like my mum wasn't and still isn't the best cook. She doesn't listen to this podcast, so I can say that. Um, but yeah. um, my grandma kind of taught me to cook um, and then from an early age probably not as young as eight I was probably about 12 13 my mum was kind of like there's the kitchen you you handle that kind of stuff yeah so, yeah I used to love, I love cooking and it is there's like a it's almost quite meditative is that the word sometimes meditative yeah yeah yeah, yeah. That's, like my mum tried her hardest to keep me away from the kitchen because there was fire <laughs> so, so yeah there was fire and danger so, so that so, was so do you eat so, out as your lady yeah. cook for you uh my wife's a really good cook yeah charlotte she um her mum and dad they owned a, a restaurant like a bistro restaurant in cleethorpe oh, okay. where we live they owned a restaurant for about 20 about 25 years i think um and charlotte from the age of like 12 13 was always working at the restaurant um, so from a young age, she sort of learned how to cook. So yeah, she's a great cook. And to be fair, I mean, the older that I've got, I, I mean, Charlotte's taught me a lot, but yeah, I can, I can put a meal together, but nothing sort of like, I'm not going to impress anybody. Certainly not with my food, but, um, we were just, but, um, yeah. before you joined us, Jesse, um, Tomo doesn't need to cook anymore because he's been literally, so I, I don't think you guys have it over in the states. Nando. This is gone far. This has gone too far. It's I, not but true. I know. But I know Nando's because I've traveled a lot. I know Nando's yeah. very well. I've eaten there a ton. Yeah. Some funny story about Nando's though. Um, we had opened for. We were on tour with Iron Maiden, over oh, in nice. England. There playing wow. um, uh, the arena. Um, you know, big fancy arena. You're talking Iron Maiden, one of the biggest metal bands in the world, and um, I left the arena and walked down the street to eat at uh, Nando's before the show. <laughs> Nice, oh my god that's nice. that's me all over i literally when i'm away working like my accountant says to me every year like do you not eat anywhere other than nando's because yeah literally all of your receipts are just nando's or wagamama's are the only two places that i <laughs> yeah. really like eating that's oh, i love it I yeah love and it. you know iron maiden has catering and like you know it's a full spread and i i just bailed and went to nando's oh man i can imagine <laughs> they've got a pretty big rider sort of thing as well so oh they had fresh juice you kidding me like you name it they had it the spread was amazing better than i eat at home iron maiden really <laughs> took care of us that's probably the best toy i've ever done in my life was with those well guys. i guess when you're on tour nice. you've kind of got to keep your body in check to, to a certain degree because i've got friends who have gone on tour and all they do is just drink and eat kebabs and yeah. by the end of it, they're just ruined. So yeah. I guess when you're on tour, as much as Iron Maiden and, you know, other huge stars, they, they have to look after their bodies, don't they? No, you do. Absolutely. I'm at the point now where I've curbed my drinking. I barely drink on tour. Um, and I only eat from 12 to 4 on tour. So noon to 4, that's so it. So the, the fasting. Yeah. And um, oh, nice. I keep it very light. Well, Acid reflux is a big thing when you're sleeping on a bus. And, you know, I used to eat and party late at night and fall right asleep and wake up the next day and heartburn, bloated, feeling like total shit, hungover. There's only so many years you can do that before it takes its mm. toll on you. I just got fucking tired of being sick and tired. So I decided oh, to take care of myself. I'm in better shape now in my 40s than I was in my 20s. Well, sure. like you say, that's, that's just because the the, the, the lifestyle has, a, has an effect on your body eventually, doesn't it? The amount of people I know, again, that go on tour... And the same, they just don't, they don't drink at all on tour because 
that you just can't keep up with it. You've just, especially if you've got to use your vocals and stuff. Yeah, yeah. The stress that it must have on your vocals again, because if you're drinking, then a lot of the time that includes smoking and yeah. also being in loud places where you're shouting and raising your voice, and it just it must have a, a strain on your voice eventually. It does, and mine's very fragile with the because I, I scream and yell and sing. It's not just one yeah. style. Yeah. But the smoking, yeah, yeah. I, I gave up smoking as well. Like I used to love smoking weed. I don't really do that anymore either. I know I'm pretty lame on the road, but you know what? It's all about the show. The show must go on. Yeah. The show's going to be good. If you can't do your job, what, what good are you? You know. Exactly. That's it. And the fans are paying, you know, nowadays, especially like, you know, it's, it's a lot of money to go and see a, a, a show. So, yeah. you know, you want to be, you want to be performing at your best. We, we were quite similar, really, weren't we, Tomo? Like, you know, we've we've said on the on the podcast quite a few times like when we were younger um it, back in like the this is england days like we'd go out every because in a sense it's like being on tour although we're all sort of staying in it's like we, i always call it like a it's like a summer camp kind of vibe it's like the, the school mm. holidays because we're all kind of together in one place in one city and yeah. you know we finish work and then we're like right let's go out let's drink let's drink let's drink and that's great but like the older we've got the more you realize that it does affect your performance, you know. Yeah. I can't physically do it now. I can't if I'm working, like say if I'm on a four month shoot, I won't drink for four months unless I know that I've got like a week off because I I just my body just doesn't allow me to do it anymore. I'm just like it has such an effect on me for days when I'm drinking. So yeah. I just kind of and I don't know whether that's had a, a knock on my performances because I was working a lot more when I was drinking. So maybe <laughs> I just need to <laughs> Now I sort of care about my my job. I, I work less. I, it's weird. I don't get it. Maybe I just need to not give a fuck anymore and I'll get more work. Maybe that's that's where I'm going wrong. Yeah, I often wish I could give less fucks, but I care a lot about what I do and care a lot about everything now. It's like when I was young, it was an anarchy, fuck everything. And, and now I've just like, you know, I always worry about stuff. I plan ahead. I'm like super careful. Yeah, getting old is weird. I mean, look. It's either you get old or you die, and I'm glad to still be alive. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah that's it, man. That's it. That's it. But then um, it's also important to enjoy your time whilst you're alive as well. It's it's a, but it's trying to find that balance, isn't it? There it's it is. Trying to find yeah. that sort of happy medium mm. of enjoying, you know, your, your time on the weekend with your friends, which nine in ten times, especially with British culture, is it involves drinking. Mm. That's the thing. Yeah, and same with my lifestyle and the boys in my band. So. You know, I'll take like if we get a day off, I'll go out and have a few and then cap mm -hmm. it. Yeah. You know, yeah. and those guys will be up till two in the morning. I'm in bed by 10, 30, 11. But at least I've gone out and had a few and been with the boys because you, you kind of have to do that. The camaraderie of the band. Yeah. yeah and yeah, that kind of that's that yeah, that, that's so important as well, because you need that chemistry as a band as well and that trust. And yeah, I guess you kind of need that. But I found the older that I've got and I, I realize I'm sounding more and more Tory as this this conversation goes on. <laughs> But golf, golf is amazing for that spending. Yeah. It sounds ridiculous. He drives a Tesla. It? He plays golf. <laughs> he doesn't drink as well. Like, what the fuck has this world done to <clears> Honestly, <throat> people used to think I was cool, but not anymore. Listen, Honestly, man, it's, it's all about what makes you happy. Man. My my, uh, my drummer is a big golfer. He loves it, too. He says it just mm. gives him peace. That's oh. the thing, too, man. You know, I go for long walks in the woods. That's my way of finding peace, you know, and I get my yeah. exercise and... You got to find what makes you happy and do it. Like you said, balance, you know, work hard, but also give yourself time to enjoy and just do nothing. Like enjoy yeah. yourself. Yeah. And that's the thing, isn't it? Like you're saying, you know, I think when you're younger, especially like you kind of think that's what having fun is going out, partying. And it is, it is good fun while it, you know, it while you can do it and kind of wake and up. And it's still and fun fresh. as we, as we get older as well. But yeah, but like, like you say, like I, I, you know, I love on the weekend just yeah going out on walks with the wife or just doing like nice things like like that. I know you're kind of similarly like look at your Instagram the other week, Jesse. You were sort of like on a on a bike ride with your um lady and stuff. So it's like that's the kind that's the good shit. Like that's fun, probably even more fun than going to the same. Don't be so ridiculous. It's night. not more fun. <laughs> it is not more fun. That's a stupid thing to say. <laughs> that is insane. You don't mean that. Look, well, you're, a different you know, person on you're a different person on this podcast we've all changed honestly. <laughs> oh it's a ridiculous thing to say i don't believe well, that for one minute i think what you know i think there's different types of fun for sure but you know like for us like we have friends that we party with and we'll do it like 
once every two months where we have like a chunk of days where either they'll come up here because we live up, up in the mountains near a stream. Like we're in a beautiful place and, you know, we'll sit around the fire. We'll chew on some mushrooms, smoke some weed, drink some beers, go nice. tubing the next day. You have a couple of days of it and then you stop and you're off it for a while. So we mm -hmm. still have fun. We still do it, but it's spaced out. It's special. And you're with people who feel the same way about it. Like you don't want to go too hard because the next day you don't want to be totally hung over. But if you are, guess what you do? You hair the dog, you drink again, and then you recover the next day. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah it's more special as well, I find, that when you sort of... It is. Like you say, you space it out, and then when you do do it, you enjoy it that bit more because you've also got more to talk about as well. You've got more to catch up on. You need, And it's not like you're not just sort of picking a conversation for the sake of it. When you're in the pub every day with the same people, it's yes. like you slowly sort of... Like, you get bored of that. Whereas if you don't see someone for so long, it's like... You, you've yeah. got loads to talk about. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that's completely accurate. I find when, you know, those days when I would go out drinking every night, your conversation devolves into dick jokes and talking shit about people. And just, <laughs> just crap. Which you know? is great. Which yeah, is it's just great. fine too. Yeah. Like a dick joke. <laughs> yeah. Um, just going off what you were saying there, Jesse, um, obviously, like you live in, in the mountains now and stuff like that, um, which brings us on to, to your subject, which is a great one. And, and before we get into it, so. When you told us the subject, um, I messaged Tomo and I was like, oh, it's we, we, we had a guest on, um, a British actress uh, in the first series uh, called Georgia May Foote. And she had a very, it was a, pretty much a similar subject. But I was like, that's fine because, so hers was the same as yours, like city living, okay. um, as opposed. But I think... This is this is the difference, and this is what I want to like you know get into with you like the cultural difference because she was talking about like she's not a big fan of like living in London, she'd rather live in her industrial town in the north, which is you know there's a bit of a difference there, where you're talking like you you know New York to literally living in the mountains a little bit. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like we don't get that in the UK, which is like crazy. But like yeah, like whereabouts are you like literally in? In the mountains so kind of thing. Yeah, so if you look at a map and you go to uh, Catskills yeah. Park, the Catskill Mountains in upstate New York, um, I live in a town called Woodstock, made famous by the music festival. The oh, music nice. festival, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah, so, but the music festival took place an hour and 15 minutes away in a place called Bethel Woods. But where we live is still very much the culture is alive here. The people that live here, the, the way the town is run. If you go downtown, downtown, which is small, um, every Sunday there's a hippie drum circle. There's nice. people walking around without shoes on. There's people who have done too much LSD and they don't know who they are anymore. Like it's still, it's there, but you know, it's progressed a lot. And you know, on this topic, I think I can go even deeper. You know, we can expand much more about, I would say just lifestyles in general. And why I think living in a city is limiting uh, to your lifestyle and to your way of life, especially as you get older, which actually fits on topic with what we're talking about. Because when I lived in the city, it was constant. You, mm. you have restaurants and bars, especially in New York City, open till four or five in the morning. So if I wanted to, I, I was just go, 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 like party and, you know, you you get drunk, you have fun, you you pay for rounds, you come wake up the next morning, your your bill is five hundred dollars, like you've just been out. That life, it, it just it got too much. And then the noise pollution, car horns, people yelling at each other, like all that shit, it just it's just not worth the price of admission. When you're young and you're in that mode, it's fucking amazing, right? It's great. You go out there mm. and you you can see your friends at any time, you can jump in a cab and go anywhere where up here where we live now bars close at 10 you know <laughs> wow you you can't like if you wanted to go out you have to get creative with that shit so like we have a big fire pit in our backyard we invite people over so if the bars close come to our house going to sit under the stars sit by a fireplace the difference in conversation you'll have in our backyard versus being at the pub around a bunch of people in the city vastly different and it's awesome to see my friends that I used to live near in the city come up here and just completely change and relax and become more honest and open and it's just a totally different vibe and you know I meet these people and I talk to people on a regular basis who are like oh living in the city is fucking amazing best city in the world New York City love it love it love it and I don't get it anymore I really don't 
um, once I made the move, I can tell you right now, I will never, ever move back to a city mm. ever. I mean, maybe to sort of like a suburban-ish area, but they would have to be woods nearby. They would have to be a way for me to escape people. Because I find what's amazing about living up here is I can disconnect, especially with what I do, being a musician, being on stage, being surrounded by people like you guys. When you go to work, you're surrounded by people all the time. They want you to do this. You got to do that. You got to do this. I come home and I, I knock off and I'm, it's quiet. You can hear crickets and birds and the wind. That's it. Amazing. Nice. Yeah. It. I mean, that, that sounds like a, a utopia to me. I, I live for that shit. Like I'd love to just, yeah. Cause I mean, I live in a sort of, we, we can discuss this on your, I, I live on like what, what's called a, a council estate over here. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's it is it has got that kind of nice kind of green feel to it. There's a lot of open space and and things like that, which is nice. But yeah, still that getting away, getting we've got like the the Peak District isn't too far from where I am, which is like a it's not a mountainous area, it's hills, you know. Right. Um, but it's it's nice, it's green, and you can literally yeah, you can walk for miles sometimes and like bump into like maybe one person, you know. Um. But yeah, man, that's that just sounds fucking beautiful, man. Yeah, I it love is. that. I was I was talking to one of my friends today about living in cities, and it, I think, like you said before, Jesse, when you're younger, like that sort of thing to have nightclubs and pubs and bars so accessible till whatever time, and there's always something happening. When you're younger, that's great, but then when you've got kids, it's like you just that you couldn't think of anything worse. You just want I want to be able to sleep with my windows open at night, and it just be silent, and you just don't hear a thing. Like, we live in a really quiet area, and, um, yeah, I just buzz off that. But then it's also nice to sort of dip into the city life. Like, I like going to London for a couple of days and then coming home and then it just being sort of silent. We live by the beach, so being able to go... Oh, yeah. and, we, and we only started appreciating it through lockdown, really. Um, just walking down the beach in on, on the summer evenings is, is amazing. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, the beach is a whole other vibe that I love too. And I actually kind of miss that. I mean, I can get to the beach in about three hours from where we are. But, you know, I'm glad you brought up, you know, lockdown. And I think that was kind of part of my my transitional time that, you know, I moved up here right before it happened. So I was already up here and, and established and had a, a home. But during the those you know, that year and a half or so of being off the road and being isolated, being up here and being isolated is I would say if I was alone, it was it would probably be a lot harder. But I had me; it was me and my lady, so we took full advantage of it. We were out every day on trails, like we would mm -hmm. climb, we would climb mountains, we would you know, um, get these inflatable tubes, and we have a river near us. We would just float on the tube, like on the river all day. We had nothing to do, so we just submerged ourselves into nature. And people that I knew that were in the city, obviously everything's closed. Most people in New York City have apartments that are fucking small you know you're paying like yeah. three thousand dollars for a closet so these yeah. poor people were like stuck and then you know up here it's like three bedroom home big backyard stream right there accessible trails everywhere so the pandemic truly made me appreciate this way mm. of life and it changes all of us it changed all of us i know in some way shape or form it did but to me if nothing else it it solidified my resolve to to live out here in this type of environment and it's cheaper my rent for this house that i'm in because i'm still renting i haven't bought anything my rent is like half of what i paid when i lived in brooklyn half yeah. and i've got quadruple the space yeah because so new I just york is like crazy for oh rent insane stuff, insane i was paying uh, close to three thousand dollars for a bedroom a kitchen a bathroom and a, and a they call it another bedroom but it was pretty much a closet that i used wow. to like record vocals in but um, yeah, almost three thousand dollars a month. Are you kidding me? You're basically working to stay alive, and that's a lot of the people in the city. That's what they do. If you look at the rents they pay, what they pay for parking, because if you can't get street parking, you have to pay for monthly parking down there. Mm. That's like three hundred dollars a month just to park your fucking car. At this point, Crazy. it's like, well, what's the point, man? You know, I can be it's in the all city. Part of the rat race, isn't it? That's what it, it becomes. Is. It's just sort of you. Just you are literally just a number. Just just funding 
other people's lifestyles, really. Yeah. Because the people who are renting these apartments, they don't live in, in the cities. No. They, like, they, like you, they probably live in the mountains or they own a ranch somewhere or they live in in the countryside and they live just happy, relaxed lives, I imagine. It's like, you're just, but you're just funding that for other people. It's just, it's insane. The whole sort of, yeah, the 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 rent, and especially in London and more so now in Manchester, I imagine, Andy, it's getting, it's just, it gets insane. Yeah, it's crazy, man. It's, I mean, it's crazy, crazy everywhere at, at the minute. I mean, I, I don't know how it is over, like, in the States, but, like, the UK at the minute, like, there's a there's a big housing crisis and, 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 like, rent and, you know, it's just, even buying a house is becoming, like, really, really unaffordable for a lot of people. Um, it, Like, crazy, like, you know, I was lucky enough to kind of buy my place at, like, a really good time when it was, like, really low. Um, But, you know, even the price on like my council house that I bought, you know, twelve years ago, has just gone up ridiculously, which is great for me being on yeah. that ladder. But for, but for people trying to get on that that ladder, it's um, I would not I would not like to be trying to do that in this kind of climate. And that's the thing as well, like you were saying there, Tom, and and, and what you were saying before, Jesse, like that's why everyone's fucking yelling at each other and angry and because they're just they're, they're literally just surviving like paycheck to paycheck month to month and work like say working to live and not finding that joy you know probably working a second job on a weekend or you know like you say going out and you know drowning the problems in in drink and and, and things yeah. like that like no wonder the you know the the fucking really angry the next you know the day when they're, they're out it makes you um it makes you worry about the next generation, doesn't it? Like your kids and things. It's like, it's just the the whole the whole world at the moment. It's just it's just a bit mental, isn't it? Which is why I think like, and and I know it, lockdown has caused a lot of this, but like lockdown, the whole the whole COVID, the whole pandemic. Obviously, given the circumstances, was awful. But then also, on the other hand, it gave us all a time, a chance to just sort of stop. And just appreciate mm. the the small things in life, and make you realise that you don't need this or you don't need that. When all you can do is you can just go walk down the beach, or you can walk down, you know, you can do a hike, or you can go on the on the river. It's just, I think that's that's what lockdown did for me mainly was just make me appreciate yes. the small things in life. Do you know? Same, what I mean? like just discover stuff as well. Like I remember, like early on in the lockdown. So like again, like where I lived, there's like little streams and and things like that. And when we were kids, we'd just we'd play in them little streams and stuff and whatnot. And there was always this really smelly plant, and it was just it's just really oh you you know. And um, during lockdown, I found out it was it was wild garlic. So me and the kids were out picking wild garlic and like there just shit go. like that. Like you'd never you'd never no vampires do... around there, baby. No vampires in in <laughs> Withenshaw. <laughs> there is. No. I've been. There's loads. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of blood sucking leeches. <laughs> I like that you brought that up because that's something I I'm I'm careful to tread on that too because some people are very sensitive. But there are portions of lockdown that were some of the most magical moments of my life because we did simple things like you mentioned playing in a stream. I played in a stream. I remember there was one day where I went to the stream over here, and all I did was make little rock dams and swim in it, and like I was acting like a child for the entire day, and it was. I had joy in my heart because guess what? I didn't have to go on tour. I didn't have to worry about doing interviews. No one was telling me to write a record or, or checking on how's the record cut. There was none of that. All of that that I'd been so used to and being on tour, just go, go, go. All of it was gone. Don't get me wrong. There was a point where that was hard to deal with. But in the beginning, those first few months where I, I wanted a break. I remember saying to my lady in tears because we were just touring, 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 touring. It's like, I want to sit home long enough to watch the seasons change. Like I miss watching the leaves change and fall. I never get to see that shit because I'm always on tour and I got to see it and it was beautiful and it was amazing. But you know, as time went on, you start to, Oh shit. How long is this going to last? And then was... And then, like, who are you without your career? Who are you? Who are you without someone going, you're that guy? That was yeah. powerful. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. I think I, for I our was... industries as well, for the music, film and television, I think we suffered for, for a, a lot longer than other industries because 
I mean, even now, I, I was I, I finished a film in January, just gone, and we're still having to do COVID tests, which is fine. I get that, you know, we need to work in a safe environment, but yeah. how long? I think it was, I think it was nearly two years from me from lockdown being announced, or maybe a year and a half. It was certainly the longest that I've ever that I've been without working since I was twelve years old. Yeah, and it's same. like for me, it got to that point, and I was like, "Am I ever going to work again?" And then you had the whole thing with with our government saying maybe people should retrain and blah blah blah, and it got to the point, and I was like, "Shit, should I go and do like joinery or bricklaying or learn something new?" Because it just got to the point where it was like, it's "Just you didn't know whether we was ever going to be back doing what we do," and especially for your industry, Jesse, because having. 30, 40,000 people or however many people in one room seemed like it was never, ever going to happen again. Right. No, it was especially hard on, on musicians. And it's the first time that, you know, I had to go on unemployment and rely on the government to help me get That's by. Same. And I also did um, Cameo, which, you know, I unashamedly did a ton of Cameos and my fans really helped pay the bills as much as my band loves to poke fun and joke at me that I, you know, begged for money on the internet. But, uh, it helped a lot. Like mm -hmm. it really did. And um, because of that, you know, our government, <laughs> I want to go off on a tangent, but the IRS and our government over here is so corrupt. So I ended up owing so much money for doing all that stuff for trying to survive. I actually wow. just finished, just finished paying the government off this year from COVID because they took me to the cleaners for like making extra income. But um, that was tough. But, you know, I look back on it now and I feel like, and I, maybe I'm just a hopeless optimistic, but I feel like I needed that in my life. I needed someone to pump the brakes on me and give me a reality check. And like you said, like, what would I do if I weren't a musician? What would you do if you weren't an actor? Like, what would you do? And I really had to think about that and come to terms with the fact that, yeah, I might have to get a different fucking job. And that was mm -hmm. the first time in a decade or more that I even had that thought enter my brain. Where would you go? What, what, what was what kind of what did you come to? Park Ranger. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. Which I still kind of want to do that when I grow up. <laughs> <laughs> Never grow up, mate. It's a trap. It's a trap. No, I agree. I'm still very much a child, you know. Um, but yeah, I just love nature and I want to protect it. I mean, not sort of in a, you know, go out and you know protest and be Greenpeace, but I just think. People need to live, like you said earlier, and I love this term, balance, be in harmony with nature. I don't think you've got to strip everything back and stop all production and destroy all the machines. There's a way to live in harmony with it. And I think as I get older, especially living out where I live, I appreciate nature so much. But I also drive a truck and I love my truck and I love <laughs> driving. So, you know what I mean? I'm not full on like green all the way. I think we need to live in balance. And I think if I were a park ranger, you're educating people about fragile species. You're educating people about wildlife that they may be afraid of, you know? Um, like for example, we live near a town called Bearsville. No joke. Okay. And in our front, front yard during the season, bears walk through our front yard. Wow. And, and my lady who was born and raised in Staten Island, you know, New Yorker to the core is so scared. And I'm like, no, like, Black bears, for the most part, they, if they see you, they're going to run the other direction. Like, they don't want to deal with you. Like, you shouldn't be afraid. You should respect them. Yeah. But don't be afraid of them, you know? Um, and I think that's important for people to learn nature. Like, to me, that's a passion. I'm such a nature boy. I absolutely love nature. I'm, t I'm inspired by it. I write about it. It's kind of become part of my spiritual belief as well. Like, I, nature's everything. So, yeah, park ranger would suit me best. Imagine like people walking through a trail and they meet me and I'm the one educating you about like, I would love that. That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, yeah, that's the dream, man. That How is... about you guys? What would you do? Um, See, I, I don't know. What would you do, Andy? <laughs> uh, if I, if I could do anything, probably it's, so, I've always, I've always wanted like a farm. I think I've said this on the podcast before. Like I, again, again, I'm, I'm quite like that. Like I've always, I've always loved animals. I was a vegetarian when I was a when I first found out what meat was when I was a kid. When someone kind of explained what it was, I went yeah. vegetarian for about a year or so. Um, but the the smell of bacon just brought me back. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think something like that. Like I'd I'd like to 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 have a farm. Like uh, probably not like a meat producing farm, 
Um, I used to keep chickens. Um, so I, yeah, like things like that. Just like you say, just kind of living. You know, it's 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 harder to do here, I guess, in, in a sense. Um, but kind of living off the land in that sense, and you know, just having that kind of that that kind of life. I think. What about you, T? Um, you could be a car thief, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I've already been there. I've done that. Um, my dad always said to me that I like I'm a blagger. I could I could blag my way through any situation. So I don't like maybe a car salesman or something. I don't know. <laughs> I, yeah, I could sell I could sell milk to a cow. So yeah, I think probably probably a car salesman. Yeah, that yeah that or a car thief. It involved yeah. cars. Yeah, you're that kind of guy. You you would make money somehow. You know. Well, you I would, still... yeah, I would make. Yeah, you could go, steal go a car and, and sell it. No, you could steal a car and fucking sell it. Yeah, I could just <laughs> like real life GTA. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I would find. I would find ways. Um, but I also I went um, be. I had a, a few years off when uh, from from being an actor, um, both through my own fault, through choices, and just sort of not paying enough attention when I should have been. Um, but I went and worked in a bar in my local pub and honestly loved it. I was just like in my element. I was getting paid to go and watch the football and be with friends and meet locals and hear new stories and find out the gossip of the town. And yeah, I loved working behind a bar. So yeah, I could happily do that. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, work doing that I, like, I like bar work. I like yeah, working I love in a it. pub. Yeah. I love be I love being in pubs. I always have done. Since I was a little boy, like my mum my spent a lot of time in the pubs and Obviously, when I turned 18, I spent a lot of time in the pubs with my friends. And yeah, I, I just think I, I, I think being in the pub is my happy place. But I even I, I go to the pub a lot nowadays with my friends and don't drink. I can spend the whole day there with them just to, just drinking Diet Coke. And I don't mind that. I just I like being in that sort of atmosphere. Yeah, I can relate. Man, um, my lady's a, a bartender, um, but she she works at like a nice cocktail, like a nice up, upscale. Oh, the place I was working was not nice. Oh, yeah, yeah, quite the opposite. Yeah, but you know, I do like going there. But you're right. I mean, especially there's something different over in the UK and in England um, with pub life, pub mentality. There's something so comforting about that. That is one of my favorite things to do when we go over there too. And you know, I won't. I haven't been there. Shit, I haven't been there since before the pandemic. So with my new lifestyle of drinking less, it's funny. I never ever used to be this guy, but. I kind of don't mind mocktails and, <laughs> and like <laughs> like non-alcoholic fake Your drinks. Your fan base is just run a mile. <laughs> no, I don't care. I don't care. Because um, I still drink, but to pace myself, I'll, instead of having drink after drink after drink, I might have an actual cocktail, then have a mocktail just to like space it out and yeah. help sort of like not go nuts. But um, yeah, over there. I think there, that's an age thing. I think that is yeah. an age thing. Me and my friends, when we did, um, we've like we've done all day sessions in the pub, and genuinely, we've had a jug of water in the middle. And these are all like we're all sort of alpha males. We like to have a laugh and a joke, but there will be a jug of water in the middle of the table sometimes because we like to just sort of get it in us and oh, you got to prepare for the next day. Yeah, no, I think There's that's no just smart. That. That's just that's just intelligent. I don't think that that's water is key. I mean, I drink about a gallon a day being a vocalist and look at my skin. I'm, I'm going to be 45. Like I'm good. I mean, you look good. It's, be it's because I drink a shitload of water. Like honestly, mm. most people are dehydrated. They walk around. They don't realize they're dehydrated. They got skin issues. They got digestive issues. They got all this shit. It's because you're not fucking drinking enough water. That's it. Period. I was living in Philadelphia um, where I got to, you know, we were like the only white family in the whole neighborhood. I grew up around black folks. Like that was my culture when I was a little kid. Um, and it was in a particularly violent part of town called Germantown, ironically. Um, there were no Germans there. Germantown, Pennsylvania, in the 1980s, there was a radical movement that um, was very pro-black. And being the only white kids in the neighborhood, we weren't liked by everybody. So we, uh, we had protection because my dad was a man of God. So the lady next door to us, her, whose name was Mary, biblical name, she had a son named Moses. And Moses was a pimp and Moses used to carry around a sawed off shotgun in his trench coat and he would escort the pastor's family around. So when I was younger, I had Uncle Moses, which I had no idea. The dude was packing heat and he was a pimp that used to escort us around to the train station to get to work, to get to school. Um, 
So I've been in like crazy environments where, you know, gunshots are going off and you couldn't get more urban and inner city and dangerous. And then living out in the middle of nowhere on 300 acres on a farm in the middle of America. So I've seen it all. I've moved around a lot. Um, and I think that because of that, it lended itself to me to, to sort of like going to the lifestyle of touring and being on a bus and traveling. It made it sort of easy because that was kind of my life. My whole childhood, we were moving constantly. You know, I'd make friends in school and two years later, we're moving, make new mm. friends. So I always had to like, how do I make friends? It reminds me of this is England. How do I be that kid that's picked on and is like, you know, um, wears stupid clothes because they used to always make fun of my clothes. I came from the farm, moved back into a city, and mm. kids are like, what's up with your pants? What's up? Like, you, what's your hair? Like, you got a mullet. What are you doing? Like, so that, I had to, like, learn how to charm people. I had to learn how to be funny. I had to learn how to, like, be cool. And traveling was part of that. So it's all kind of led me to being a, a traveling musician. And it's fascinating to look back on that. But, you know, my fondest memories of my childhood were when I was out in nature, when we were out in the woods or when I lived on that farm, spending days by myself in the cornfields, walking, like being by myself, learning how to be my own friend. It sounds sad, but it's true. Our closest neighbors were miles away and I had nowhere to get there. I didn't have a car, you know, my bike, you couldn't ride on the, the roads there. There were huge long stretches of highway with trucks going by. So I learned a lot about myself in nature. And I think that's why I ended up where I am now in my forties living out in nature. Do you find as you get older that you, do you still enjoy traveling as much as you did when you were younger or now are you sort of like you miss home a lot more? It's, it's balanced. It's balanced. If I'm home too long, I'm itching to get out. I'm so ready to travel. Um, the one downside of it that I actually really hate is airports. I can't fucking stand airports. Yeah. I <laughs> why why so? How come? Everything about airports, the 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 overbearing security that I think is especially here in the states, you have to take your shoes off and you have to like, you know, go through those big machines which I usually opt out. Like I can't I hate going through those big fucking radiation machines all the time. Um the waiting, the cancellations, the delays like it's I don't know how bad it is there because I haven't been over there in like four or five years. But here in the States, since the pandemic, I've experienced more delays and cancellations than I've ever had in my entire life. And it just drives me fucking crazy because these people, these companies who make so much money, like it doesn't make sense. It does. You guys have the money. Stop messing with us. It just drives me nuts. So I love to travel, but I fucking hate airports. Hate them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're just the. They it's just like, I mean, you get why them rules are in place and, and, and things, but like, yeah, it is, again, it's that kind of, once you're in an airport, you are just like a cog in a oh. machine. You just, you're, you're literally going along a conveyor belt, security, this, that, the other, da, 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 da. And so you're you, like, you know. you're like lemons. Huh? You can remember that game, lemons. <laughs> yeah, um, I think. Yeah, it... go, ahead. go on. Sorry, Jesse. Go on. No, no, no worries. Um, in the moment I get past security, like I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm a cool. I, I get into a sort of a, a meditative mode. I have to, like when I know I'm going to the airport, I'll go three hours early. I will go so early that I'm not going to stress. And I see people running to their gates. I'm like, I'm not going to fucking be that guy. Yeah. And then once, once you get past security, I just look, cause listen, I'm not much of a drinker, but almost every time I fly, it's tradition. It's an airport. airport pint. You have to have an airport pint. I get I get a Bloody Mary with gin. Like I'm a I'm a gin Bloody Mary guy. Like that's the first thing I go to the first pub is and hopefully it's near my gate so I can just hang out there mm. and maybe one or two, but or a martini even, if I'm feeling <laughs> even if it's we, we flew to Portugal recently and we was at the airport at three AM and we got oh, through security, dude. we got through check in like I don't know, three thirty AM and we all just kind of stood and we was like pine like yeah yeah. Had, yeah 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 it's just i don't know what it is it's just it's and, fun and it was so <laughs> it was so strange to look around because we flew from birmingham and um there's a weatherspoons there and it was I, I i stopped and i said to the lads that i was with i said this is wild because it's 4 a.m and everyone is painting. You've got people dressed as Mario Brothers. You've got people dressed as jockeys, <laughs> all on stag do's and hen And everyone's just stood around sober with a pint in around at 3.30 a.m. 
Yeah. Just if you could pick this up and put it in any other situation other than an airport, it, imagine that at a train station or yeah. imagine that at the bus station. It just wouldn't be acceptable. But at an airport, it's like everyone's just, I don't, I guess it's people are in holiday mode, aren't they? Yeah. But yeah. even if I'm working, even if I'm going away flying for work, I still have that airport pint. So yeah, I think, I think for me, like, because it's it's different again. This is probably that that kind of difference between you know the 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 countries, but because the UK being so small, most of our traveling with with our work is trains or you know driving and stuff like that. So speak for yourself, mate. I'm international. <laughs> I've 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 done a I've done a couple a couple of jobs overseas, but. For me, Ireland yeah. doesn't count. Ireland, Ireland does not count. Uh, you know, I've, I've worked in Budapest. That's probably the famous <laughs> stuff. Uh, but like, for me, like airports still have that magic because that because I, I remember like being a kid, waking up early and going to the airport, you know, and being excited. And I, I still get that, even if I am just flying to, you know, over to Ireland to do some work or you know, over to you know wherever it is to do to do work. It, it, still kind of feels like vacation mode it still feels like that kind of oh you know and i think yeah that's a that's a big part of it but i i found as well like the, the older i've got and again that this is probably with with having kids and and stuff if i'm traveling with my wife and my kids like i become that airport dad are you like, an airport remember, panicker oh mate yeah like i remember oh, watching I my dad people I remember watching my dad as a kid standing up every 10 minutes to check the gate number, to check everything, you know, oh, panicking. Know. Who's, have you got the passports? Have you got this? Have you got that? And like, it's one of them things where you go, I'm never going to become my dad. I'm never going to become my dad. And I've fully embraced the, the airport dad to, you know, oh when, my I'm on God. My own, when I'm on my own, couldn't care less. I'll go, I'll have a nice pint. I'll sit. Oh yeah. I'll get to the gate when I need to get to the gate and all that kind of stuff. But there's just something about when you're kind of, maybe it's some kind of macho bullshit, but like when you're traveling with like other people, you're kind of like, right, okay, I need to lead the pack here. <laughs> you know, I need to be watching the gates and all that kind of kind of rigmarole. But yeah, I, if I had terrible. Oh, sorry, Jesse, go on. No, you're good. No, I was going to say, if I had kids, I'd probably be the same way. I guess. Yeah. See, even then, I'm not. I just kind of. I. <laughs> but I think I had a terrible experience in Russia. We basically. It's a long story, but we got we got trapped in Russia. We were stuck in Moscow for a while. Tell him why, visa, though, Tomo. No, I don't Tell want to talk about did. it. Our, vi- our visas did, expired. <laughs> and um, so there was a whole charade, but it was just like one problem after another. And in any port in the any other airport in the world, it probably would have been fine. But because we was in Moscow, it was like, it was it was hands down the most, the most terrifying experience of my life. So now whenever I go to any other airport in the world, I'm like, this is nothing. This is fine. Yeah. <laughs> because of what I've experienced, it's like I'm I, I just I'm just more I don't know. I, I think some sometimes people in airports, they don't seem confident. They're always like they're always telling themselves that they're doing something wrong <laughs> or they're they're always like they go inwards. Whereas me now at an airport, I'm just like I'm confident. Yeah. I know what I'm doing. Nothing's gonna match what I went through in Russia, so it's fine. Get me a pint. No, I remember the first time um, I, 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 me and my wife, uh, we've been together a little while and we, we went over to Florida to do like Disney World and all that because we're them kind of people. Um, and because obviously, like you say, the, the security in, in the States are a, are a different kind of breed. And um, I I am one of them people, though. Like I remember standing in the queue in customs and like you've got your airport security there and the dogs and all that kind of stuff and you know and I, I remember literally just panicking like really like I knew I didn't have any drugs on me or anything <laughs> I shouldn't have on me but, but you then start in my to head, convince yourself that you have well, like oh my god have I got some yeah well in my head because I was like <laughs> 20 21 at the time and I was like the wallet that is in my pocket definitely has had weed in it in the past eight months it, it's definitely had a little baggie of weed in there what if the remnant smell of that gets me and then triggers? Do you find Jesse that um, even traveling with work? Because like obviously, when you're on tour, you spend a lot of time in different airports. Do they just you just become accustomed to it, or is it still that sort of exciting feeling when you are in an airport when you're on tour? Yeah, it's hard when you're doing thirty flights in in like four weeks. You know, yeah. depending on where we are. 
and like you said, depending on the part of the world we're in, like we've done Russia, we've done Africa, we've done Southeast Asia, um, and those airports can be tedious depending on you know where you are and what's going on. The great thing about it is, though, for the most part, we we've got a tour manager that's with us, and he he takes care of it. So usually. Yeah, so usually how it how it pans out is me and the boys in the band are like, where's the bar? Go do sort it out. <laughs> Just tell us what we gotta do and we'll see at the bar. Um, but you know, there are there have been times where you know we were rushed out of Russia because they um going into conflict. We were in St. Petersburg doing a like a day off tourist thing and like things were popping off. Like we had to get out of Russia quick, and that was a sort of a terrifying experience was that uh, recently with the what's what's going on at the moment no that was the oh, first right. time russia invaded um Crimea. Uh, was it belarus uh, this is like 2014 this is a while ago yeah yeah um but you know if i'm by myself like like andy said i'm pretty like i got my shit together if i've got to worry about other people i'm a little more uptight but uh, if i'm with the band and the boys you know, we're a well-oiled machine. You know, it doesn't really stress me out, but it can get tedious, dude. Especially when you've got a show the next day. Like when you do places like Australia, you're flying every day. You're flying, and then you have to land and then go play a show. Like it, that can get fucking yeah, super tiring, and it's hard not to get grumpy. Or we did um, Southeast Asia to Spain to Africa, like in the same tour. Like insane flying, and that you just get to the point where you just zone out. And I, I, honestly, during that that whole run, all of us were just drinking through it because you're flying for thirty hours, like some days, like ridiculous shit. You just want that shit to go away. So I was just drinking red wine to get tired and just knocking the fuck out. But um, it's it's stress, but it's a different kind of stress because you have adventure. You know you're gonna go do something fucking cool, so it kind of helps with the stress of the situation. But if I'm going on holiday and I've only got a certain amount of time, I tend to get a little stressed because I, I fucking earned that time to do nothing. And if I'm getting delayed in an airport, I, I tend to get snappy and grumpy and I have to watch myself for sure. Yeah. Can what is add... it about airport staff that why are they all miserable? <laughs> why do they hate? <laughs> See, this is why do they why do they hate everybody? It's this kind is... of like my 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 take on it would be if I worked in a world where every day I had to get out of bed at 6am to go and check in some really happy people who were going on the holidays and they're about to have the time of their lives and then I've just got to sit and babysit those people through an airport, I think that's probably why they are quite miserable. But yeah, I've just, I just I don't know what it is about. Maybe that's only my experience, but I think a lot of them are just I quite miserable. Right. Yeah, because because obviously, like again, like where I live, I live like right close to an airport. So a lot of my family, a lot of like my friends from school and stuff like that's one of the main employers. So a lot of when I go to fly from Manchester Airport, guaranteed, I'll it'll be a friend that I know, or it'll be someone that I went to school with, who's who's security or who's doing whatever. And yeah, they're just yeah, they are. Grumpy, grumpy. I think it is that, mate. I think like and they're miserable say, out of work as well, or just no. That's the that's I the mad Jordan. Thing. Jordan works at the airport, doesn't he? Yeah, but he yeah, doesn't have to deal with the people that go to. He doesn't have to deal with the people firsthand that are going on holiday. He does the baggage stuff. Yeah, that's but true. I, I, th I think it is that lifestyle, like you say, because it like you know it's up at like probably like more like four four a.m. to start at like five. And then a lot of them do like long sort of. But like then the people that work at Disneyland aren't miserable. They're all happy, and everyone's <laughs> people who are there are having the best time of their lives, and they're really happy. Maybe out of work, they're just the saddest people ever. They just hate their lives. Yeah, you gotta figure. Like... Well, you gotta figure too with people at airports, right? Like you're, you're dealing with the masses, and there's not, without sounding mean here, um, not a lot of smart people. So you got people who are doing the same. <laughs> mistakes over and over again and you have to rip, like you know take make sure you take all your metal out of your pockets you have all your metal out of your pockets they go through the thing boop you don't have all your metal that after having to say that a hundred times over i, I would probably get pissed too like come on like you yeah, got, how many times yeah. you guys been to the airport just fucking doing get through i i would probably lose it too i, I wouldn't I, want, was, I wouldn't want that job i was at a train station the other day and 
that same sort of thing. So like the, I don't know what they're called, the guys who kind of stand on the the platforms. Um, he, you know, his job is to scream, "Stand back from the yellow line! Stand back!" Because the trains are coming through like quick, and yeah, like nobody wants to stand in front of that yellow line, but every idiot stands in front of that yellow line and this guy is literally shouting like you will get hit by a train and that like, you know what i mean and then i i asked him a question because i think the platform changed and he, he sort of said it but i had my my headphones on and i was like oh is that the the, the train back to manchester and he went yes and i was like whoa okay okay but then as soon as i walked off in my head i'm going that prick but then i kind of walked off and i was like no you know what he's, he's just he's just been screaming like like you say, everything in them situations, I think everybody does become a bit of an idiot. Like the whole, I think it's been stopped over here now, but like the whole water thing, like, you know, for like 10 years, everybody has known you can't take more than 10 mil, whatever it is of liquids through. Right. And it's like, everybody knows that that's a thing. But when you get to the, end, there's still them people trying to take through like big jugs of water or, you know, things like that. And it's like, how have we not, how have we not learned this yet? How have we not yeah. just, that should just be ingrained in everyone, but you still get them idiots trying to take for a big bottle of Pepsi or, or whatever, like. Yeah. I know. think yeah. the, the big, the big scope of it is, and it actually still runs in theme with, with the whole topic of city versus country um, lifestyle is, is people. If you're around a lot of people in constant contact with people, you have a certain type of attitude towards people, you know, like when you're in New York City, um, if you're too nice, it's annoying because it's fucking inconvenient. We got shit to do. Answer the question. Move out of the way. Keep going. We're up yeah. here when I first moved up here. And listen, I've traveled a lot. I've dealt with a lot of people, but I've never had it on a regular basis where someone asks you how you're doing. You respond and the conversation continues. They want to know more. And you're like standing there to in the checkout line at the grocery store or or wherever in a full conversation. And people are genuinely like wanting to know how you are, what's going on. We're in a city. It's like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. I'm buying my shit. I'm going to pay for it. Get the fuck out. So when, when you're in an airport, especially a busy airport, and I'm going to tack on this too. So I used to live in the city. I would fly to JFK or LaGuardia. Stress. Just fucking stress. The lines are as far as you can see. The staff are miserable. They're shouting at people. And now I live up here and I fly out of Albany Airport, which is a rinky-dink, teeny little airport. The staff are nice. Mm. There's one mm. pub. There's one pub. Every time I go in there, super like everyone's happy. People are buying each other drinks. You you make a new friend. People at security, like I even had a guy recognize me and was like, he helped me get through security and just wanted an autograph, like completely different vibe at the small airport versus the big airport. And that's because sheer amount of people and you're dealing with, like I said earlier, the masses, the the, the old term, the masses are asses, you know, like there's, yeah. a lot, there's a lot of dumbass people. But when you distill it down to a small amount of people, if someone is going to issue a question, the staff's like, oh, I haven't heard that one in like an hour. Sure, no problem. Go that way. Not a big deal. Where in JFK, you ask a question, they're like, there's a sign right there. Keeps walking. Beat <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the fucking sign. <laughs> yeah, that is true because that's that's one big kind of culture shock from sort of like in England with like, like the north-south kind of divide. Like in London, if you get on the tube or the bus or any kind of public transport or anything and talk to someone that you're, you're a crazy person to them yeah like, what do you want Whoa. what do you want from me <laughs> yeah 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 where like in the north i mean it's probably not as gonna happen as much in manchester but you know if you got on the we've got like trams if you got on the tram and talk to someone like it that's okay that's fine people will tolerate that and chat and stuff like that but i remember when i lived in london like one of the big things for me moving back here um it's another city but it's it's culturally miles apart was that that same thing, like you say, you know, I, I'd go in my local shop um to buy the same thing every day or every couple of days. And I'd try to talk to the guy who worked there, try to kind of build a little bit of a friendship and the you no, know, it's that it is that, isn't it? He's dealt with 
thousands of people that day probably where here in my little town in in manchester you know i'm I could be at the shop for like three hours, and my wife's like, "Where have you been?" I'm like, "Oh, I was talking to, I was talking <laughs> no, to I've been in the, the pub, shop, you know." Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I was in the shop. I'm so, I must be a re- I must annoy people in London, especially when I'm drunk, because when I'm drunk, I'm very happy and very chatty. And when I'm on the tube and I'm drunk and I'm just talking to random people, they're just like, who the <laughs> fuck is this guy? Like, why Why is he telling me about his pet's names? Or why do I know everything about him? But I'm that guy. <laughs> but then I but then I guess it's like, but I'm never going to change that because in Grimsby, again, it's like, I think people often tell me, my agent mainly, that I can be too open sometimes. And I think that's just a thing with just Grim, like Grimsby people or people who are from sort of, small towns or small villages they are just kind of honest open people because there's just sort of no there isn't that sort of rat race field you know what I mean everyone kind of like what you've just saying there Jesse people actually care about how your day's been or you know what's going on in your life I think that I think that 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 sort of divide is it's intense when you get to London I sometimes I don't know what to do with myself because Mm. I can't I I just feel like you can't talk to people it's it's strange I think it's good. I think, you know, you, when you get, and now that I've lived up here for going on four years now, you, you get that sense of community. And I think that gets lost. And I think it's important because something as simple as going out to eat and, and having a drink at the pub and you start a conversation, the conversations are so vastly different between a busy, bustling city and a, a smaller town where I feel like some of the conversations I've had here with people have changed my way of thinking, have helped me along the way, have made me feel like a better human being, or I've discovered new things or made a new friend or whatever. And you can't really get that in in short amounts of time. You've got to sort of spend time with it. And when you're not in a rush, when you're not in the rat race, as you say, your brain changes. You you become Mm -hmm. a different person. I'm more at peace now than I've ever been in my entire life. Like I'm happier. I see the world differently. I'm a better listener. I'm a better friend. I'm more. Um, I'm You're more, just more uh, present, I think. Aren't yeah, you? that's a great word for it. Yes, present. Yeah, um, yeah, I think so. And I, I, I think that's that's the thing with, like, people in London and other busy cities around the world. They're just not very present with where they are because they they've got other things on their mind. They've got an objective. They they know where they need to be and they need to be there now. And I just think, like you're saying, and nobody really. No one really cares about what other people are doing in London. It's just about what they're doing. Do you know what I mean? Especially when you're in like in the city centre, in like Soho or Oxford Circus or anywhere like that. It's just, it's just chaos. It it it, it unsettles me being in places like that. Just quickly, is there any cities in the UK that are your favourites, Jesse? Manchester is a favorite of mine for sure, but I, yeah, I would boy. say very close to that would be Birmingham. Um, and Birmingham for many reasons, but I think predominantly the the culture and the subcultures that came from there. I mean, metal would be one, obviously, and then number two, the sort of ska, skinhead, reggae. You know, there's the Custard Factory, which I've been to a bunch. That whole area, I've gone to like mod dances there and. The subcultures are really a lot. Well, at least they were last time I was there alive and well, where you could go to a, a night and go skank to some reggae and like ska. And like, I love that shit. And people yeah. still have the scooters with the mirrors and like that shit is still alive in pockets of, of Birmingham. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, Man- Manchester was very welcoming to me. And I felt like the more we played there and the more time I spent there, that sort of replaced London. Cause when you first go to the, you know, England, when you're young and you go to London, you're like, London's amazing. Like to me, I could do without London. Like I could be there for a, a day or two and like, I get it, but it doesn't have quite the same soul as places like yeah. Manchester and Birmingham do, but that's just mm-hmm. my, li- my limited <laughs> scope of, of England. Yeah. 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 I, I'm kind of like that. Like with, with, with the States, like, cause I, you know, I've been to New York, and that never really appealed to me, New York. I'd like, you know, I wanted to go and see the sights and kind of, you know, again, growing up in England, like all our kind of media, all our films that we consume is all American, American, American. And I enjoyed it. Like me and my wife on our honeymoon, we did like a little kind of tour of the States, a few different States and places. Um, but 
yeah, I, I I don't know. It was just it was crazy. It was like London to me. It felt very Londonish. Um, you know, we did all the the sites. We did Brooklyn Bridge. We went to you know the the Statue of Liberty and um the the World Trade Museum, all that kind of stuff. That was really you know great to see and 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 and, and obviously sad to see with the with the World Trade and stuff. But I uh, L A felt more like to me like even though it's a crazy city and you know it's it's downtown la is quite similar to new york in that kind of sense where it is quite rat racing just the fact that it's kind of like more spaced out it's more open it just felt yeah. more because because i'm very much like that like birmingham to me i don't know it if it, 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 i've always said this to you Antomo, because because you I go love birmingham, birmingham. My, bro- my brother lives there yeah i love birmingham i, I just find it very same with Leeds as well. It's quite claustrophobic. It feels very built up and not really spaced out. Very tall. Yeah, yeah. Where, yeah, Ma- Manchester's got that a little bit kind of, you know, more kind of spaced out kind of vibe to it, I think. It's not as mm. imposing. I hate feeling like small and claustrophobic in a city where, you know. But I, I get that, but I think that's what shapes the city, right? I mean, that's why I would say Manchester and Birmingham are very vastly different. But there's a fucking soul to Birmingham that I can't put my finger on. And I think that's probably why some of my favorite music has come out of Birmingham. There's something there to it. You know, like metal bands coming out. Like, it makes sense that a metal band would come out of Birmingham and be, or a punk band like GBH, which I fucking love GBH. Because there's just something to it. There's a badassness to that town. It's just like a hardworking working class don't fuck with us kind of town that's probably yeah. why i like it there have you seen the uh it was on the news this morning actually saying that they're doing a a black sabbath ballet what no yeah yeah so it's 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 a ballet kind of show um but all to the music of of, of black sabbath which interesting yeah, that, that'll be that'll be i love that shit yeah I mean, flip, great, flip it on its fucking head flip it on its head it, it can be anything <laughs> I love that kind of shit too. <laughs> Fuck it, I go to check that out. Yeah, yeah, I might, I might go and do that. I think that that'll obviously be in Birmingham, or at least start there and then probably tour. I guess. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Um, All right, boys. Yeah, nice one, man. That's uh, thank you very much for uh, for joining us, Jesse. It's uh, well, I'm I'm gonna be honest with you guys. It's a fucking honor. Um, big fan of both you guys, and not just with this is England, but you know stuff that you've done. I respect you guys as as artists and. It was really cool for me to just, you know, be able to do this, even though it's virtual. But uh, yeah, definitely honored you guys asked me to. It's been an absolute pleasure to hang out with you guys and just chat and shoot oh, the shit. Bless you. Thanks, mate. Nice Appreciate one, mate. that. You should give us a shout um, if you're on tour in Manchester and we'll try and catch a beer. Oh, we'll no, go absolutely. Hiking. We'll go oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. man. We'll, we'll figure it out, but I'll definitely be in touch with you guys. And I'm going to get over there, if not with the band, um, Matt and I, are going to try to do some um, podcasting of some sort. Either he's going to come here or I'm going to go there or both. But when that happens, either way, whether it's with the band or, or with Matt, we definitely need to link up and, and have, have a few pints and some laughs. 100%, yeah, wicked. 100%. Yeah, buzzing. Thanks again, mate. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys, brother. And yeah. take care of yourselves and take care of your take families. Take care, mate. You too, mate. Thank you. Peace. Another episode down. Done and dusted. Another lovely chat. Another week out of the way. Another week out of the way. Hope mm. you're all having a fantastic week. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, again, another lovely chat. And um, just nice to be doing the podcast, doing what we love doing, man. Yeah, it's nice to be together and it's nice to have it all sort of done professionally yeah. and comfortably. And yeah, and I think that's it's really showing with the guests that we're getting on at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, yeah, the, the, the more that we can keep doing this, the more that we can provide for you listeners at home, yeah. um, the viewers that are watching on YouTube, uh, there is a way that you can support us, um, if Andy would like to tell. I will. Um, you can support us in many ways. Uh, one of the main ways being we do have a Patreon uh, account. If you can uh, go on there, it's www.patreon.com forward slash overrate everything. That just helps us to secure guests you know we want to be getting bigger and better guests from london and places like that down to the studio obviously that costs money um and for a small fee each month you guys can contribute towards that and you'll get rewarded as well what kind of rewards will we get thomas Turgus? uh well it depends how much they're willing to spend <laughs> um no we've got so much in store haven't we we've got like um 
We've got we've got the lives coming up. We've got which, lives, which I know is promised over the exciting. years. Yeah, man. Yeah, I can't wait for all that. Um, we've just got sort of behind the, the, the scenes exclusive footage that we're doing, and um, got some bonus podcasts as got well. Some bonus podcasts with ourselves and with some guests. Some of the and, guests. Yeah, just sort of. But I guess as, as the more it goes on, we'll just the more surprises that we'll drop. We want to have fun with it. We're creative people. We want to have fun. We want to be creative. We want to make some nice content for you guys. Yes. Um, and keep that Patreon going over. But obviously, we ain't no fools. We know times can be hard for everyone. Mm. And so if you can't subscribe to Patreon, that's fine. That's cool. Yeah. What you can do if you love the podcast um, is like, subscribe, share, mm. tell a mate as well. Yeah. Like everyone's used to just going share, 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 like actually sit in the pub or um, wherever you're meeting with your mates and socialise in the gym yeah. and just go, hey, have you heard that podcast? It's pretty yeah. good, you know. Yeah, get it on, get it or on Spotify. Bam. play it really loudly when you're at a red light with the windows open. Play it really loudly at red lights. Overrate everything. The best podcast to play really loudly at red lights. There you go. If that's illegal, we're going to get sued. <laughs>